Howdy, howdy, do who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary, and welcome to episode 233. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy-do, Who fans. Hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something Doctor Who related. You might be noticing that there's a, a strange void in the podcast this week. There's an empty space. Yes, my co-host, Mr. Adam, uh, he's not going to be joining us this week. He's got a really busy week. He's uh, recently fallen uh, into the into the world of employment again. So he's off doing whatever he does uh, for his job. So it's going to be just just yours truly for episode 233. It's probably going to be a slightly shorter show than normal. And yeah, so Adam and I should be back next week. But uh, as it happens, the stars did not align for us this week. There was just a bit of a... We couldn't make the day work for both of our jobs for this week, essentially. So flying solo. Gary flying solo this week. But I hope you've all had a, a great one since you heard our podcast last Friday at 232. I hope you've all managed to watch some Doctor Who or listen to some Big Finish or... Something or something or whatnot, or whatever. Coming up in today's show, there's just a couple of bits of news and merch to rattle through. And then I'm going to give you my thoughts on our review episode this week, which is Torchwood Random Shoes. And we're going to pop in a review that Adam has done. So he did take some time this week, or will be taking some time this week to do a review for us. So I'll pop that in and you'll be able to hear his thoughts and, and so on and so on. So yes, there's not much happening. Normally, Adam and I go through the waffle, blah, blah, blah. We'll go through what him and I have done over the past week, if we've done anything Doctor Who related. He's normally gone out to 
a meetup of some kind or a convention or whatever. And I've normally had a bit of a, a mini marathon, whether it's classic Doctor Who or modern Doctor Who. Uh, but it's been quiet for me on the old Western front in that respect. Really not much going on there. I really need to get back into some big finish, though. I will say that. I've got a whole stack of of big finish stuff going way back from about four or five months ago. That I just haven't had time to sit down and, and plough through. So that's on the radar to get that done. I did watch a couple of Matt Smith episodes in the past week. I was looking through, I was actually watching a bunch of other stuff on Netflix, actually. I was catching up with some with some Red Dwarf and the Big Bang Theory. And in Netflix, you get that category that comes up that says continue watching. And it just had the, I think it's still the thumbnail of Capaldi and, and uh, Jenna Coleman who are running across a dark desert or something like that. Anyway, it, I just went in there. I thought, okay, let's have a little looky. So I watched the family of blood and that two parter, which I haven't seen in a while. So that was good. Spent a little bit of time with tenant, but other than that, really not done uh, too much in the way of doctor who as usual. And this is where I'd normally throw over to Adam, see what he's been up to and whatnot. But the ghost of Adam has got nothing to say this week. Uh, so based on that, uh, let's just land it and let's let's do some news. First up, the Doctor Who virtual reality uh, movie slash interactive experience that we spoke about way back. I think it was about three or four months ago now, or maybe a bit less. Uh, we told you guys that there was a brand new VR experience that was going to be uh, made featuring Jodie Whittaker. She was going to voice the character in this. And that has now been uh, launched. That's been released uh, here in the UK. It's called Doctor Who The Runaway. And it's a free release. It's out for most of the uh, VR apps and so on that are out there in the world. So the first one is the Oculus Rift. That's the main predominantly for gaming anyway so the oculus store you can get it on there the vive uh, the vive port and also the bbc vr app if you happen to have that and uh, and you can also watch if you've got just a standard vr headset of some kind then you can you can check this out so it's a 13th doctor story uh, she recruits you the viewer as her companion uh, as they go on a uh, as they hunt down a dangerous creature called the volta uh, they have to um, return it back to its home planet uh, and uh, armed with uh, the sonic screwdriver it's down to you the the viewer to help the doctor as she faces uh, plenty of of dark things in the immersive vr story so it's not quite a full-on video game where you take control of the character of the doctor and you go through like a typical narrative video game but it is interactive so uh, and we we put a, a, a link in the show notes a while ago uh, to the the video that they released there was a small trailer and i have to say the animation doesn't look too bad actually i like how they've done the doctor's character it looks it looks pretty good and the interior of the tardis the actual look and feel of the tardis that's another subject that we can i'm sure we will talk about at length at some point when series 12 launches uh, but it does look very good from a, an animated vr uh, point of view so just to give you some blurb on this uh, that they've released, uh, you've you've been in a collision 
You wake inside the TARDIS. The Doctor introduces you to the person or thing you collided with. He's a strange and magnificent ball of living energy called Volta. Part surly teenager, part bomb. Volta is very unstable. In fact, he's primed to explode. Big time, unless he can be returned to his own planet Sharpish. The problem is, a squad of galactic busybodies has other plans for Volta. Bad ones. Drawn into a frantic chase, you become the Doctor's unlikely assistant as she races against time to get Volta home to his parents. Armed with a sonic screwdriver, it's down to you to help the Doctor as she faces the forces of evil and teenage angst in this animated 13-minute VR adventure from the team behind Doctor Who Series 11. So there you go. So you can pick it. It's got the soundtrack is from the Series 11 composer, Segan Akinola. So that should be rather good. And uh, it's, yeah, so it's out on uh, all of those uh, op- uh, options that I spoke about earlier. So Oculus Store, part of the Oculus Rift, Vive Ports, and also the BBC VR app. So check that out. And if any of our listeners do go and check that out, do let us know what that's like. Because I know that Adam has got, uh, a VR headset, so he might be able to watch it at his end. But do let us know. Uh, ping us a tweet or something if you have got a VR set and see what that's like. Uh, next up in the news, we have a bit of a little bit of Series Twelve news, which is very this is very out the blue because if we rewind time a little bit and we we think about the the build up from when Chris Chibnall was announced as showrunner and then Jodie Whittaker and so on. We had hardly anything at all in that whole build-up to Series 11. So it's kind of strange that they've they've released this teaser image for Series 12. I'm very surprised because Chibnall was... He's that kind of guy with Doctor Who that... I, I just think he likes to hold everything close to... His cards close to his chest and isn't really comfortable with putting spoilers and whatnot out there. But anyway, the, the BBC has released this. It's very, very cool. And it features the... An, an alien that we've not seen in a few years on on the main show anyway, and that is the Jadoon, the return of the Jadoon, which is awesome because although the Jadoon are not... Well, they are, they are a very cool alien from Doctor Who, don't get me wrong, but they do they fall into the bucket of the really big famous aliens or monsters of Who, like the Ice Warriors, the Daleks, the Cybermen, etc. Um, so they're not as iconic as those other characters. However, I think this is a really, really good move for Series 12 because one of the things that Chibbers did say in the build-up to Series 11 was that we're not going to see any other... We're not going to see familiar faces in terms of aliens and monsters. This, they were going to craft a whole a whole new series of, of baddies and, and aliens to, to get into. We weren't going to see the familiar monsters of old although they did return with that Dalek story. But other than that, we didn't have anything else really. So I think this is a good move because our long-time listeners will know myself and Adam's thoughts on Series 11. And don't get me wrong. I'm in no way going to sit here and, and bash Series 11. We've done we've done plenty of that when we did our reviews when it was going out live uh, along with praising it as well, there was plenty of good stuff that we spoke about, but I'm not going to sit here and do that. But one of the things that I will say is that I think they went too far with the with making it feel like it. Series 11 feels very isolated in the world of Doctor Who to me. So from 2005, Chris Eccleston's first series, right the way through to Series 11, out of all of those, Series 11 feels the most isolated 
because it, it, there was very little in the way of familiarity from everything. Now, in a way, that's all good. You know, change is good and all that stuff. We had it when Matt Smith took over and then Capaldi. But I feel like they really went way the other, you know, way too far with that. So if they're going to bring back familiar aliens into Series 12, I really think that's a good thing because it does provide a bit of, almost a bit of consistency with the rest of Doctor Who that we've enjoyed over the years and also familiarity as well. So the Jadoon are going to appear in Series 12. They've not been on our screens. I think they've been in some big finish stuff over the years since then, but they've not been on our screens in the show since the 10th Doctor story, Smith and Jones, where the hospital that Martha works in gets transported off to the moon and so on, and it's the it's the Jadoon that did that. So, uh, yeah, 12 years we've not seen the Jadoon in the mainstream show. And also they've announced a guest star in that episode, uh, actor Neil Stuke. Uh, you would have seen Neil. He's in. He's been in uh, quite a few, uh, quite a few uh, British TV shows and whatnot over the years. Um, I think the last thing that I saw him in, I think was was it Doctor Foster or something like that. That really depressing <laughs> program that was on a while ago. And uh, yeah, he's been in quite a few things over the years, but. Uh, yeah, you'd recognise his face, but anyway, uh, he's been casting it as well, uh, which is good. Uh, and then a little bit of a, a sign-off from Chris Jibnall. He says, no show blow. The Jadoon are storming back into Doctor Who in full force, and the streets of Gloucester aren't safe. If anyone has anything to hide, confess now. The Jadoon are taking no prisoners and will stop at nothing to fulfil their mission. The whole team on Doctor Who are delighted and scared in equal measures to welcome them back. One of many treats we've got in store for viewers next series. And we're over the moon to be welcoming the wondrous Neil Stuke as a guest star. We can't wait to show you what happens when his path crosses with the 13th Doctor. So there you go. That's some good stuff. And I like the fact that uh, Chibbers has said that uh, it's one of many treats we've got in store for viewers next series. So this sounds to me like they've had a bit of a... They've had a... they. So like I said, Series 11, in my opinion, feels quite isolated. And it feels to me, because they brought they brought a familiar alien back into the show, and Chris Chibbers, and Chibbers has said that it's some of the treats that they've got in store. It feels like somebody's nudged them back onto the path a little bit, if that makes sense. So yes, looking forward to that very, very much, Lee. So that's all we've got for news. Now we're going to uh, crack on with some merch. See if there's anything decent out there to get. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Well, there you are, young man. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. I know, it's on the telly. It's everywhere. I don't know that to be impressed or disgusted. I work in a shop now, here to help. Vinyl records. Soundtracks, audio plays, all that jazz seems to be a big thing recently. Over the past year, we've seen quite a big push in various retailers and outlets doing exclusives for vinyl and so on. And that so shows no sign of stopping. So the next one that's going to be released, I think it's July. I'll check that in a second. Is The Evil of the Daleks. Yes, The Evil of the Daleks is coming to uh, the, the LP vinyl treatment. 
and it's from Demon Music Group. Uh, it's a classic seven-part adventure starring the Second Doctor, uh, in which the infamous Daleks lay a trap in Victorian England for their oldest enemy. Uh, so this is going to be out on Amazon. It's uh, there, there's a few different versions that they're going to release, which is it tends to be the thing that they they do these days with the Dal- with the with the Daleks uh, with the vinyls, where you have a standard edition, which still looks very nice, but then you've got one or two sort of exclusive or limited edition sets that set them apart from from the other uh, versions. And yes, so this is out in July. The the 12th of July, these land over on Amazon anyway. And there's three different versions. The, the information isn't 100% uh, super clear to me. But what I can, from what I gather, there are three versions. So the first one is the, just it's just called the standard edition. And it's got the same cover as the other ones. So that's one thing to note. The cover and the cover art and everything is is, is exactly the same for each of these releases it's the actual vinyl records that they've tweaked so the the standard edition comes in the 12 inch heavyweight vinyl as the other ones have done but it's in a translucent red color which looks really really cool actually it's not quite the bright orange that they've used on the cover art however the red is is really looks really cool and then they've got something called the amazon exclusive edition and the Amazon exclusive edition is the same uh, cover, like I said, but the the vinyl themselves have got this. It's called the Scaro Splatter vinyl. And that is essentially the red vinyl, but it's got this very cool uh, kind of ink in water kind of effect that runs around the vinyl. It looks really, really nice. And to be honest with you, looking at the, looking at the pictures, the exclusive edition the Scaro Splatter edition, the colour of the... I don't know if it's just the promotional pictures that I've got here, but the actual colour of the vinyl itself looks more orange that matches the cover art rather than the the standard one with the red. It's it's more of a... The the, the Scaro Splatter one has, has got more of an orange look and feel to it, which matches the 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 art, the cover art and the, the, the back... Uh, the the artwork on the back as well. So, yeah, I think if you're after, uh, for me, the the Scaro Splatter one looks really, really cool. And then they've got a third version as well, which I I think the third version. So the difference between, let me make sure I'm getting this correct, because like I said, the information's not that clear. But the inf- the the difference between them is the Scaro Splatter version the the first one lp lp1 so the first vinyl in the set uh has got uh, the emperor dalek dalek laser etched into the reverse of that and then they do another version which is the deluxe version and on lp1 that has got the tardis laser etched into the reverse of lp1 so from what I can gather, there are three versions. Just to wrap this up, there's the standard version, which is the translucent red. There's the Amazon exclusive edition, which is called the Scaro Splatter vinyl edition, which has got the Emperor Dalek laser etched into the reverse of the of LP1. And then you've got the deluxe edition, which is the same as the 
uh, the Scaro Splatter version, but it's got the TARDIS laser etched into it as opposed to a, the Emperor Dalek. So I hope I've got that right. I've, I've, I've gone through the information this morning as best I can. Um, so yeah, I have got that right. So if you head over to Amazon just to a search for The Evil of the Daleks, you'll see uh, both editions on there. It's priced at around 67 to £69. Pounds. So the deluxe edition... Uh, which is weird. It sounds like it should be more expensive, but it's a couple of pounds cheaper. So the deluxe edition has uh, is coming in at sixty seven ninety nine, and the Amazon exclusive is sixty nine ninety nine, which is the 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 Scaro. So I could be wrong on that. What I'll do is I'll update the show notes once I dig into more information and uh, link you off to the relevant pages. But that's essentially essentially it now i know that my my co-host adam uh would be would be up for this set because if memory serves i think he picked up a, a, a vinyl set previously i remember seeing it on his instagram or something was it the dalek master plan the dalek master plan i think was the set he picked up or he, he, there could be more than that but i know that this will be on his radar because it's just and now that he's uh, he's working again, he's got some cash knocking around the old wallet. I know that this is going to be in his uh, uh, in his eyesight. So yes, the evil of the Daleks is coming to vinyl in July. Uh, do a bit of research into the correct version. But if I find out anything more on it, then I will uh, I will update the show notes when this episode goes out. And that's all we've got for merch. So I'm going to roll straight into our review. Normally hand over to Adam for this bit as well. So I'm going to do this bit this week. We have the Torchwood Series 2 story, Random Shoes. Excuse me, am I dead? Something's happened, we need to talk to you. Did he walk into oncoming traffic? I am in heaven. Are you sure it's my Eugene? Listen to this, Eugene had an alien eye in his collection. He soaked it online. A Dogon six eye? Maybe. Oh. I just feel that there's something going on. I don't want this to end. I love you. Oh, Eugene, the lovesick puppy, eh? So, Random Shoes uh, was first broadcast back on the 10th of December 2006. It was written by Jaquetta, I hope I'm saying that right, Jaquetta May. It was directed by James Erskine. And this is a, it's kind of a weird format, this one, because the whole cast is in it. But other than Gwen, the others are not in it very off, very much at all. It's kind of, um, as most of you will know who have seen this one, the, the format kind of feels like Love and Monsters from the Tenth Doctor's run, where it's, it, it feels like a narrative. It's, it's like a story. Like, it's like you're being told the story via narration. So the viewer's going along with the story, but you're not, you don't have to figure out what's going on and stuff. You're, you're being told by the narrator, which in this case happens to be Eugene, one of the main characters, uh, played by uh, Paul Checker. And uh, so the blurb for this one is relatively simple. Uh, the Torchwood team find uh, a dead body by the side of the road, which was a, a hit-and-run victim. And it turns out that they know who this person is. It's, uh, uh, it's the character of Eugene and he's been bugging Torchwood for a little while because since he was a wee lad he got given this alien artifact 
from his school teacher in high school. And that sparked this kind of uh, interest, um, sort of borderline obsession, I would say, with alien artifacts and space and whatnot. So he's devoted most of his life to researching alien stuff and, and artifacts and all the rest of it. And he has been badgering Torchwood with various things over the years and they've just dismissed him. They've just, they've just assumed he's just this wacky, annoying so-and-so and they've never really made time to talk to him in any way. And it, it kind of sparks Gwen into a bit of an investigation into his death because the rest of the Torchwood team are just like, yeah, whatever, it's a dead body. Seen plenty of those. Nothing much going on. It's standard. Police can handle this. We're on to the next job. Whereas Gwen, she seems a bit... Uh, she seems like she's she's really affected by it in a way that I don't think that she realised that she was going to be because she makes it her mission to find out exactly what happened to him. She she sees it as, as a non-standard hit and run, whereas the rest of the team do. So they're happy to just go along with their normal jobs and like I said move on to the next torchwoody thing whereas Gwen's a bit more no I need to I, I she's she's there's no evidence that supports that it, it's kind of a weird so, so the, the episode itself does follow a couple of different formulas that we've we don't generally see with Torchwood normally with Torchwood you have the big mystery at the beginning where an alien or something bad has happened to somebody then Torchwood turn up and then they start their investigation based on all the clues and all the rest of it and then they save the day towards the end whereas this one uh, along with the the similarity to Love and Monsters which I mentioned the formula is not really like that so there's no clues really there's no evidence for Gwen to go on she she says it a couple of times in the episode that she's just got this feeling and it's almost like it's almost like they're trying to say that she's got this psychic feeling about it because there's a there's a couple of moments throughout the story where she she can hear Eugene like when he's sat next to her because he's he's essentially a ghost in throughout the story so he's dead at the beginning and then throughout the rest of it he's along the he, he's alongside Gwen as she's doing the investigation and he's chatting away to her and so on. But there's just a couple of little lines that you can tell he's really passionate about and he wa- he really wants Gwen to know. And it echoes in her head. So the line that he just says, he it echoes. And it's, it's almost like she can hear him from beyond the grave. It, it's that kind of vibe. So the rest of the TARDIS, uh, TARDIS team, <laughs> the rest of the Torchwood team are hardly in it. I think Captain Jack and Owen are the only two really that say any lines. Owen's very dismissive of everything. So when um, when Gwen's going around the hub and she's saying to those guys that she's going to go off and investigate, he's just like, yeah, whatever, see you later. And Jack's almost like that to an extent, certainly towards the beginning. He's just like, okay, you know, you've got the weekend, go and investigate, do all that stuff. Because she tells Jack about this um, this artifact that Eugene has been in possession of, which is the which is the thing that his teacher gave him way back, which is this alien eye thing. It looks just like a shiny pebble for the most part, but there's a bit where Eugene's looking into it and there's like a little galaxy effect inside. 
And so Jack knows about this, and I think he he even identifies it or thinks he he knows what it is. Uh, it's the it's the Dogon eye, apparently. So Jack knows about this, and he's like, "Okay, fine, go off and do it." And that's it, really. You don't really see those guys until the end. So th- those guys arrive at the end, and where well, there's a bit of a strange ending, which I'll get onto. So that's essentially it for the plot and what happens throughout the story. It's uh, anyone that's seen the very old film now, starring Patrick Swayze and, and Demi Moore, I think uh, it was called Ghost. It's basically that but in tortured form. So at the beginning of that movie, Ghost, and it's a really old, I think it was, crikey, when was Ghost made? I think it was the late 80s, early 90s. It's essentially a guy that gets murdered, but his ghost sticks around because there's unfinished business, unfinished business to take care of, and he wants to protect his wife because he knows that the killer's still out there and and all that stuff. And it's about the interaction between him and trying to protect his wife and then he comes across a psychic and she's a fraud but unbeknownst to her she's actually real because she can see well she can see and hear him or she can hear him at least so it's basically that eugene is he's been killed at the beginning and now he's a walking ghost essentially but we don't know why so he can't remember what's happened in the last couple of weeks that's led up to his death so it's down to gwen to provide that exposition that's missing at the moment so she goes off and she starts talking to his colleagues and uh, his mum. Uh, so his mum's really cut up about it. She has, they have to tell uh, his mum uh, that uh, that Eugene's dead and she obviously takes it very, very harshly. And and there's also some family issues thrown in the mix as well. So early on we get a, we, we get a flashback scene and then a bit later on some home movie footage of Eugene's dad. So Eugene was a he was a bit of a math genius back in the day when he was in high school. Goes to this math challenge event thing in the evening. His dad's there taping it, and his dad's like super hard on him. His dad's like, you can hear his dad in the video camera like, "Don't let me down," you know, "What have you done?" sort of thing. Because he gets the last answer wrong, and their team loses. And he he is really cut up about that. And then when he when they get home, that causes a big row between Eugene's parents, and then his dad leaves, and that was it. So. For years, Eugene has thought that he's, you know, he was part of the reason for his dad going and so on. It turns out he wasn't. His dad was just a bit of a his dad was just a bit of an a-hole, basically. And Eugene realizes that right towards the end. You know, he kind of sees his dad at his own funeral and he's like, you know, my dad was just the normal guy who made mistakes and all the rest of it. So he kind of makes peace with that towards the end. Uh so that that's it. And then Eugene, like I said, he's he sticks to Gwen because she's off investigating what's going on. She ends up speaking to his colleagues and it all centers around the artifact, the eye, because Eugene has, he, he fell for one of his co-workers. He sort of, he had a thing for her and he said, you know, you should get away from the company. And she's like, yeah, I've always wanted to go to Australia. She's like, right. He's like, I'll book the ticket. I'll find the ticket money and you can go. And the way that he does that is he, he realizes that he's getting nowhere with Torchwood so he kind of accepts defeat on the whole alien thing, really, and decides he's going to sell the alien artifact on eBay. So he sticks it on eBay and expects to get a fair amount for it, but his co-workers are just constantly taking a mick out of him, and he's like, no, this is rubbish. But then it turns out that there is a, a lot of interest, and he, he, ends up, he ends up getting sold, well, we think he's getting sold, 
for £15,000. Now, this is one of the unanswered questions that we have from the, this episode, and there's a couple of them. So what happened was we find out later on, because Gwen goes to a, a video shop because uh, Eugene has a few outstanding DVDs. And Gwen's the one that takes them back because they take all of his belongings from his house and take them to the hub to investigate. And she takes the DVDs back to the, the DVD shop to pay the fine and whatnot. And the guy who's working in there actually knew Eugene. And it was him and his other co-worker, uh, his co-worker Gary, who works with him at this company. It was the two of them that were egging him on to sell the iron. It was one of them that actually put in a couple of false bids that sparked the interest for it. And it was their greed, really, that stopped this this mystery bidder from actually getting the eye because they were just messing around at sort of hundreds of pounds. But then all of a sudden, somebody drops 15 grand as a bid. But then one of their co-workers, uh, sorry, the guy who works in the DVD shop, he gets really greedy and puts another few quid on. But the other guy pulls out. Now, we don't know who that mystery bidder was which is one of the unanswered questions. So there, there was obviously somebody out there who was very, you know, very interested in it because they dropped 15 grand on it. But we never find out. So what happens is later on in the story, his co-worker Gary and the guy that works in the, the, the DVD shop, uh, his name escapes me. Uh, his name is... Uh, yeah, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy who works in the DVD shop and his co-worker, Gary, they arranged to meet him at this roadside cafe. They come clean and say it was me. You know, we're the ones that egged it on, but we didn't put 15,000 down, but we did push the bid up and then that guy pulled out. And then they want to take the eye off him. So that's what it's all about. That's, that leads up to Eugene getting killed because there's a bit of a scuffle in the in the cafe because they know it's worth 15 grand. So they're just kind of bullying him, really. They're being quite nasty to him to get the eye so that they can list it on eBay themselves and get the money. But Eugene ends up swallowing the eye, legs it out of there, and that's when he gets hit by the car. So that's that kind of answers one of the questions, is why is Eugene around as a ghost in the episode? And we think there's like this effect that kicks in. So when he swallows the eye that you know obviously they can't get it you know once he's uh once he's swallowed it but once he swallowed it there's like this weird warp effect that happens for a few seconds so something's obviously happened and then at the end of the story he's actually uh, he's back in physical form just for a couple of minutes because he saves gwen at the end gwen's about to be hit by a car and as a ghost he runs over to her saves her and He's sort of physical just for a couple of minutes because everyone who was at his funeral out on the front, you know, in the front garden, they can all see him and Torchwood can see him and he thinks, oh, everything's cool. But then there's a bit of a, I'm not sure if you want to call it a religious moment or something, but there's like a real bright light and then everyone's looking up at the sky and, they're, you know, they're trying to, to say to him, "What's you know, come back, come back. Uh, you know, Gwen's, you know, she's like, don't go. And, so, yeah, so that's kind of, that leads on to one of the larger questions about the episode, really. And that is, it was obviously the eye that caused him to sort of stick around outside of his body, as a ghost, it seems. But we don't know why he goes at that point. So 
normally with these type of stories, and we've seen it in films and TV shows over the years now, and I mentioned Ghost earlier, the reason why Patrick Swayze's character hangs around and doesn't cross over to the other side, quote-unquote, is because he feels like there's there's something left to do. He, that he has a purpose that he has to carry out before you know, he crosses over. And it's kind of the same... Well, it's a similar aspect with this, but we don't really know exactly why. So was Eugene's purpose to make sure that the eye was in safe hands? Was his purpose, was there a bit of foresight in the eye? Did it did it know that Eugene would be around to save Gwen? We're not really sure. So that's one of the, the weird things about this ending, uh, which is fairly emotional, to be honest with you. Um. Because, yeah, you know, Eugene becomes physical for a time, for a short time. And Gwen, there seems to be a, a connection between between Gwen and Eugene. Because there's a couple of times where you can see her in a hotel room and she's just staring out the window and Eugene's in front of her. But it almost feels like she's on the cusp of being able to see and hear him, even though he's not actually there in physical form. And there's a couple of bits when he's when they're in the car and Eugene says a line. You know, or, or, yeah, the character says the line, and then Miles looks over at. She can't see anything, but so there's there's a kind of connection. And when he saves her life at the end, the first thing she does is give. You know, she smacks a huge kiss on him on the lips, which is over the moon because he's fallen in love with Gwen over this time. He's kind of had a thing for her when he was bugging Torchwood before this all happened. But then the whole time that he spent with her, he actually says that he loves her and so on. So there is a kind of connection between the two of them there. I don't think it would ever go anywhere with Gwen. You know, if he made it, if he survived, I'm not saying that they would be a couple or any, anything like that at all. But there does seem to be a bit of a, a bit of a connection there somewhere. And, and then, as I said, the rest of the cast, they're not really involved in any of it. It's only at the end where... They can see Eugene, and then he rises up towards the sky, and so on, and that's it. And then it's so it, it's kind of a it's kind of a sad story. I mean, in terms of story, it's an interesting idea. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's not original in any way. This this kind of thing has been done before, and it does. It's one of those episodes, and I'm not sure where Jaquetta uh, May was going with this, but. You could you could tell that she's kind of borrowed bits from from other things. Like she's the 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 way that the stories that this episode is told is very very love and monsters. It's got that narr- narration style. It's not quite as humorous as Love and Monsters. It's not quite as uh, which you would expect because obviously Torchwood isn't aimed at the same audience as the younger viewers for Doctor Who. It's a bit more adult. There are a couple of swear words knocking around in here. There's no, there's no nudity or sex or or gore really in any way, um, but there are a few swear words knocking around. So it feels very love and monsters in the way that the the episode is is told and so on. But the actual concept of the story has been done in 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 some shape or form uh, a few times before. Uh, there was also a Ricky Gervais film, I think that was out a few years ago where he dies and he sticks around as a ghost. So, so the, the, the concept is not original and the story is not original. And the formula is not like the other Torchwood, uh, most of them anyway, that we've seen up to now, as I mentioned earlier. My feelings on it overall are, 
it it's okay. It, it's okay, and it and it's an interesting direction for like as a one-off within Torchwood. It is quite. It's like a, it's a Captain Jack Light story essentially. It's all about Gwen, and Eugene. And overall, my thoughts are it's it's okay, but the the fact that it's so unoriginal, kind of holds it back a little bit. And on top of that, there is. There's an element of boredom as well, unfortunately, that runs through, especially so after the first five minutes and not until the last 10 minutes. So that whole chunk in between that sort of 40, 45 minute period in between, it's very, very slow. It's very slow and it's borderline relatively boring, unfortunately, that Gwen's performance, Gwen's performance, (laughs) Eve Miles's performance as Gwen is actually very, very good. It's one of those understated. She doesn't play this up at all, really. She's just very. Uh, what's the word? She's just very thoughtful throughout the entire episode. She she's got this. It's almost like a sixth sense that she's got about it. She knows that something isn't quite right about the whole thing, and so she's. You know, she she wants to pursue this just because she's got a hunch, nothing more. So she's very thoughtful in it. There's a lot of scenes where she's just staring out the window or she's talking to somebody and she's you can see her mind's ticking it over. And it's quite emotional when she's talking to Eugene's mum, who's she's crying a lot in this episode. Um uh and it yeah, and it doesn't have like the like Torchwood is normally centered around the formula I mentioned earlier, but they also throw in these action scenes as well. There's normally a some kind of shootout or there's a standoff or there's some kind of action-y thing happening and we don't get that really. The most we have is the, is the flashback scene where Eugene's, where Eugene meets up with, with Gary and the guy who works in the, I think his name's Sean. I think it's either Sean or Terry uh, the guy that works in a DVD store, uh, when those when he's having a flashback about when he met them in the roadside cafe, and then they have a scuffle and a fight and all the rest of it, that's the most you're going to get really, other than the moment where we see Eugene get knocked down by the car as well. But other than that, it's really just Gwen doing her thing. But unfortunately, it just it drags along so much uh, in that middle part. And so the, the beginning is is quite a good setup. We We get that set up to the story and the characters. But then it's just a very slow uh, detective story, really. Mile, uh, crikey, Gwen is off doing her thing. And then, like I said, it kind of ends with a bit of a, a more of a question rather than an answer, which we don't really get answered too much uh, towards the end. Um, yeah, so he kind of floats up into the light at the end and that's your lot. So... Story-wise overall, it's interesting. It, it's kind of okay. And yeah, it's it's kind of okay. It's just slow and a wee bit boring. That's that's the unfortunate part about it. Uh, let's rattle through some performances from characters then. So Eugene himself, uh, actor Paul Checker. Now, I was torn with him because in in one respect... I thought he was quite good in some scenes. But in other scenes, he just really, 
his I think it's his voice that does it for me. <laughs> uh, I think his voice just yeah, and it's weird as well because his all of his family they're all they're all born and raised in Cardiff, but he hasn't got a Welsh accent at all. So he's he was born in Cardiff, grew up in Cardiff, he works in Cardiff, and his family, uh, well, his dad. And his younger brother certainly have got Cardiff accents. And his co-worker, Gary, and especially the guy who works in the video store, he's got a real strong, <laughs> a real strong um, uh, Cardiff uh, Welsh accent. But uh, Eugene doesn't. So it's kind of weird. And his mum as well. His mum, Bronwyn, played by Nicola Duffett. Uh, she doesn't seem to have any kind of Welsh accent either, so it's not a deal breaker. It just kind of pulls you out of the out of the immersion, I suppose, for a little while. Uh, but Eugene himself, uh, like I said, some scenes he was really good, especially at the end. It's you could see that he was it, it was really heartfelt. The the interaction between him and Gwen at the end when he saves her life, and he's astonished that she can see him and hear him and and all that stuff. And there's a couple of little scenes that are nice, but I think it's just his voice. It's, I don't know. It, his voice, the, the, the style of his voice, the actor, it feels very childlike. This feels like it would be more suited to Sarah Jane adventures rather than torture, but it, it wasn't too bad. And the actor himself, haven't really seen him in too much, to be honest with you, since this. Uh, I think he's done a couple of episodes of, I think he was in Sherlock. I think he had a small part in Sherlock. And then a couple of other bits in Casualty. I don't know, something like that. But uh, not too bad. Not too bad at all. And then, as I said, Nicola Duffett as his mum, Bronwyn. Uh, she was she was okay, but you could tell that her performance just relied on her being like really upset for pretty much the entire story. Every time you see her, she's got a tissue and she's crying. So she comes across as the grieving mum really well. And Nicola Duffett's normally pretty good. Uh, and then we have uh, the... Uh, yeah, so I, I think I got the guy who works in a DVD, DVD store named wrong earlier. So Sean or Terry, that's actually um, Eugene's uh, dad or brother. So it's, yeah. So I think it's, um, which one was Terry? So I think, uh, I think, I think the dad's name was Terry. Yeah, so I think Eugene's dad is Terry Jones and his younger brother, Sean. Uh, so the guy who works in a DVD store, I have no idea. Was it Josh? I think it might have been Josh, the character's name. We'll go with Josh. <laughs> we'll go with that. Um, so Josh and Gary, the so Gary was the co-worker. Josh was the guy in DVD store. They were okay. The character of Josh was really annoying. Like just a real like nasty piece of work essentially you can tell that he was using eugene for for his own gains and his co-worker gary just sort of got caught up in the middle of it a little bit he ends up sticking up for him in the end and he he has a bit of a go uh, at josh but yeah i mean the performances were okay as well they, they nothing stand out whatsoever but not too bad and then uh sean the younger brother just the moody grumpy doesn't seem at all bothered that his older brother died so there's no closeness there and he did a decent job of, uh, of playing, um, uh, of playing the the grumpy, nonchalant little brother. And then Terry, his dad. Uh, if I'm getting these two the right way around, I hope so. So Joshua Hughes, um, 
yeah, uh, we don't really see much of him. He's, he's he's the young he's the dad in his younger form at the beginning. He buggers off, but then he turns up again and he's at the funeral when he ends up singing "Danny Boy," an old Welsh song at the um at the, at the funeral. So he kind of come comes round a little bit and he makes peace with with his other son Sean. They sort of shake hands and you can tell the mum Bronwyn she kind of accepts that. So you kind of get the feeling that maybe those those guys were going to patch it up and and potentially get back as a family maybe. And then uh, the school teacher that Eugene gets the eye from, Mr. Garrett, uh, he was kind of cool actually. I was hoping to see a bit more of him. I was hoping he was going to pop back up at, later on in the episode and provide a bit of insight into the into the eye. And uh, the, the, the Dogon Sixth Eye to tell us a bit more about that stuff, but he does unfortunately, but he was, he was okay. He's played by Roger Ashton Griffiths. Uh, not too bad, not too bad. Um, and he was, uh, he was in Game of Thrones, I think the actor, uh, but anyway, yeah, not too bad. Just wanting to see a bit more of him, which would have been nice. And then we have, uh, Gwen Cooper, so Eve Miles. I thought she was really good in this one. Actually. I thought it, it, it's, it's good to see them in a slightly different way. We don't want to see them all the time going in guns blazing and, shouting and screaming and you know sleeping with each other all the time and all that adult stuff it's nice to see a bit more of a toned down understated performance and i think eve miles does that really well and she's she's forceful in a way that she's she kind of says to torchwood and to and to jack you know look i'm going off to do this don't try and stop me <laughs> and him and um owen mainly uh they're just not bothered really they're like okay you can do it you know go off and do your thing and uh so yeah like i said it's a very torchwood team light episode so tosh is only in it very very briefly so she's she's at the beginning at the crime scene the hit and run and then right at the end and that's it owen's in it just a little bit towards beginning and at the end same for captain jack and yanto's in it very very briefly so in terms of the torchwood team their performances are okay you know they do what they need to do for those little one or two minute scenes that that they're actually in it so there we are uh other stuff um uh, which was quite cool about the episode it was originally titled invisible eugene uh, right up until a fortnight before the episode went out it was even listed as invisible eugene in some tv guide magazines so that was uh interesting wonder why they changed uh, uh the the concept because the the title of the of the episode really is a bit of a so when they're looking for eugene's phone they just see two or three photographs of you know as the name would suggest random shoes and gwen actually uses that to identify one of his uh, co-workers gary early on in the episode but we find out in the flashback that when eugene is getting confronted by josh and gary because they he can tell that things are going to get a bit tasty so he 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 goes to get his phone out but i think the waitress comes over and doesn't want to make a scene so he tries to do something on his phone and accidentally enables the camera and ends up just taking a picture of of Josh Gary and the waitress's phone uh, phone the waitress's feet and that's what they look through and it's one of the questions that Gwen asks early on and with Owen and stuff she looks through and she's like why are there p- pictures of just random shoes and I think uh, Gary uh, she shows Gary and you know he's none the wiser earlier so the name of the episode is a bit of a it's meant to sort of get your mind ticking over like, yeah, why are there pictures of random shoes? And 
you know, is that a really important part of the story? Is that going to reveal some big thing later on? But it doesn't. It's just we just see the reason why they're on there, which is fairly, fairly harmless. So interesting that they changed the name quite late on to broadcast. Uh, we also have um, the, the the very close uh, uh, sort of structural similarities to Love and Monsters. Uh, so it really does follow. So like I said, the narrative uh, way of storytelling and uh, the kind of flashbacky, you know, the narrative voiceover thing with the flashbacks and so on. It is very Love and Monsters. Um, uh but that you know, it it is what it is, and you know, it's an interesting thing for for Torchwood to do. And overall, so I'm going to put a score on this. Now I've, I've rambled on by myself for for ages now, uh, so I'm going to put a score on this. I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it a six point five because it really the the, the idea is unoriginal. The storyline is very slow and quite boring, but it does have a a few little nice nuggets in there and the ending was relatively emotional actually it was quite a nice a nice ending that he finally got to do whatever it is he was kept around to do um it was just i think it was just left down to uh, sort of the viewers uh, interpret interpretation of what that ending was um so there we go i'm going to give it i'm uh, my my co-host adam uh, i'm going to pop his review in now because he did record that separately so we'll find out his score and his thoughts now. So over to Adam. Hello, everybody. I hope you're all enjoying the show this week. Sorry I can't be with you in my full capacity, but I'm afraid dreaded work has got in the way of that. Anyway, before I give my thoughts on Torchwood Random Shoes, no doubt Gary has spoke to you all about the return of the Jadoon in Series 12. Just want to say I'm pleased to see those guys are coming back, and it looks like they're sporting a lovely new haircut as well, so that's good. So yeah, looking forward to that. Anyway, on to Torchwood Random Shoes. So I remember when I watched the Next Time trailer for this on the previous episode, it didn't look that good i wasn't expecting great things but i'm pleased to say this was a pleasant surprise i actually really enjoyed this episode the action this week replaced by much more slower paced storytelling but it did have a good emotional punch and i think the cast were all really good this week as well especially eve miles who gives a lovely understated performance of gwen cooper i also thought paul checker was good and very likable as eugene and i'm glad that gwen got to see eugene at the end just before he disappeared up into the clouds i think it would have been better if it had been just gwen who could see him though rather than all his family and all of torchwood as it did feel a little bit cheesy i think they should have kept that ending a little bit more understated but hey it was good the funeral scene at the end as well was very good and certainly packed an emotional punch so overall i thought this was a pretty decent episode direction a little bit clunky in places it did also remind me a little bit of love and monsters in its style with the talk over and the flashbacks but overall although it dragged in places i did enjoy it so i'm going to give it a seven out of ten okay enjoy the rest of the show guys and i'll hopefully see you all next week bye bye Thank you very much, buddy. Uh, moving on, we had some uh, reviews in from you guys, as always. Very much appreciated. We had a, a bunch of audio uh, reviews in, so we're going to kick those off now. This is the first one. This is Sammy Satine from Down Under. Hey, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So, Random Shoes. What an interesting idea for a story. The only thing I don't get is, why did Eugene solidify then disappear at the end? How does that work? Poor Eugene's mum. Losing a child is every parent's worst nightmare. It just shows people. I've seen it. 
anyway, I like this story more than I did the first time I watched it. I'm going to give it seven random shoes out of ten. See ya. Seven random shoes. Nice one, Sammy. And you're right, Sammy, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's it's terrible. And that comes across very well uh, in this story, actually. That's one thing that Nicola Duffett does very well in this story. She she really puts across the the heartbreak and everything from from the loss of Eugene. So, yep, good point, Sammy. Thank you very much. A seven there. Uh, let's move on to Luke Malloy. Hello, Gary Allen of the Big Blue Box podcast. This is Luke Malloy here. Um, we've got random shoes. Now, I don't know what people think about this one, and I don't know what you are going to think about this one, but I'm hoping that you'll agree with me that it's just terrible. It's just really mundane all the way through. I found it really hard to get invested into Eugene, his dad, or his little alien eye. I just wanted to see Jack and Torchwood, but this must have been the episode that they had off. The story to me just seems cheap and and although it picked up slightly towards the end, it just seemed like a waste. Um, I'm afraid that Torchwood light episodes are not for me. Uh, I'll give this one a three out of ten. Get it out of me face. A three. Not happy with this one, but I do agree to an extent. Yeah, it does. Yeah, my, my thoughts are there on... It does pick up a little bit towards the end, but as I said, it's, it's quite... Um, yeah... Uh, anyways, thank you very much for taking the time to review. Much appreciated as always. Let's move on. This is Matt Steele. Hello, Gary and Adam. Matt Steele here again. Hope you guys well. Had a good week. So this week, Torchwood, Random Shoes. Yeah, I thought the teacher at the start, Mr. Barrett, I think he was called. I think the actor gave a very over-eager performance. Um, the planet CGI was a bit ropey. Uh, the main cast didn't really have much to do apart from a couple of characters. I mean, Owen was being a bit of a grumpy so-and-so. But then Gwen gives a really strong performance again in this episode. Um, Eugene's mum gives a good performance as the grieving mother, I thought. Not really over overdoing it. The walking dead theory with Eugene is never really kind of explained fully. And how can he get certain words and phrases through to Gwen? Did anyone else notice the fuel prices on the Texaco sign? I mean, 92.9 on diesel. Blooming heck. How did Eugene manifest to save Gwen from being run over? A very confusing episode. Lots of unanswered questions. And if I'm being honest, a little bit boring. But there we go. So on the whole, I give this one a 6 out of 10. Anyway, guys, have a good week and I'll see you again. 6. 6 from Matt. And you make a very good point. Fuel prices were a lot cheaper back then. Crikey. It's going to make me sound really old, but I remember my first car, my first ever car, was a little Ford Fiesta. I remember the... It was a petrol engine... And the fuel prices were something like 70-something pence a litre. So 72 pence a litre, which is nuts. Anyways, yes. And I wondered the same thing. There was a a couple of times where Eugene said something and it managed to go into Gwen's head somehow, which is what I mentioned earlier. It's almost like she had a... Were they suggesting she had some kind of psychic connection or not? So I'm not really sure, but... Yeah, a couple of unanswered things in this one, uh, but thank you very much. Uh, and this is the last uh, audio clip. This is Lewis Palmer. Hello to the Blue Box podcast. Random shoes. I only started watching Torchwood last year, and I haven't actually finished the show yet, but this was one of my favourites so far. I just love this one. In fact, it might be my favourite so far. I just think it's a really lovely human story about people 
and life and what life is. And I adore it in the same way I adore Love and Monsters. It's just brilliant. I think it's really good. I think it's really well performed. So many good moments. I love the music in it. I like Love and Monsters. I don't think I'd want this every week, but just for this one time, it worked so well. And the 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 music at the end where it zooms out and Eugene's talking about just what life is. It's made up of random shoes and I just think that's really great. And then the jarring cut to black as well, like almost like this it's you know, foreshadowing death. It's just it's so good. I think I'm gonna give it like a nine, maybe a nine and a half out of ten. I just I love this one. So see you next time, guys. A nine out of ten. Crikey, that is a good score. Thank you very much, uh, Lewis. And yes, it does um yeah, it, it does have a uh, that sort of fade to black and and the way that Eugene gives that sort of last speech at the end. Like I said, the ending for me was 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 relatively okay actually. It was quite emotional and yeah, but that's a really good score. Nine out of ten. Thank you very much, guys, for sending in all of your audio clips. It's hugely appreciated. We love it when you guys take the time to do that. It's very very cool. Uh, we're going to move over to Twitter now. We had a few on there. Uh, Spencer Spencer Jively says, uh, very interesting ep. Uh, love how they try to change the basic episode formats. Overall, I think it was a little underwhelming. Don't know if I like the narrator that much. <laughs> also, didn't get how Gwen could communicate with him or how he became physical briefly. Uh, gives it six alien eyes out of ten. That is a very good point. We we await answers like you guys. I don't know where we're going to get those answers from, but... There we go. Uh, Jordan Shortman, one of our writers, says, uh, another decent episode that allowed Eve Miles to shine, and it's nice to see how Torchwood affects normal people. It's nothing word, sh- it's nothing world-shattering, but it's a nice little human piece and great acting and a great script. Uh, Jack, who is at Hoovenier, says, mixed feelings. It's not bad, It's just it just isn't an episode that is very memorable, in my opinion. Unfortunately, only 5.5. Uh, Pete Adamson, a great character study on life and what it means to be human in an ever-changing and scary world, an 8 out of 10. And over on Facebook, we had a few there. Luke East, really enjoyed this one. Brilliant writing and a great mystery to a 9 out of 10, another 9. Joseph Howarth, this was definitely a sad episode, uh, but in a good way. Very emotional story and you really do sympathise with Eugene and really wanting him to see an alien, but he's plagued with so much bad luck and how cynical life can be at times. The only niggle I have with it is that there's really not a lot of alien activity in this episode, and it's more of a lesser murder murder mystery. And I like how Eugene is a ghost looking at the world from his perspective once he's dead. Uh, a bit slow, and there's really not a lot going on, but it's a good watch regardless. Uh, a 7.5. Kevin Mullen, one of my favourite Series 1 episodes. It's small scale and rather sad, but also life-affirming. 7 out of 10. Are we still on series one? Did I say series two earlier? I think I might have done. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Andy Frank uh who's uh, we had and um, we had Andy on years ago on the show. For those of you that don't know Andy, he's the one of the um, editors for the Lethbridge Stewart range of books that come out from Candy Jar. So it's good to have you back, Mr. Andy. Uh, he says a fun little story, which is curiously very similar to my first piece of work for Big Finish. Published a few years before this story was commissioned and transmitted. It plays the concept differently, but the core idea shockingly similar to The Dead Man's Tale. There we go. So I think that links into what I've said a couple of times in the review that 
the idea and the concept is very unoriginal for the story. It it really does borrow from uh, other sci-fi stories, even in within its own world, within Doctor Who. Uh, and as Andy said there, even within Big Finish. So, um, yeah, I think those scores are kind of mixed, actually. I will be honest with you guys. I didn't expect to see anything over a 7.5, to be honest. But that just goes to show, you know, the, the, the fandom and the people listening or watching Torchwood and Doctor Who is very different. And I love that. I love the fact that, you know, everyone has their own their own personal view and if you love it or hate it it's um it, it's an episode that it thankfully is very different and provides a different outlook and a different a change to the formula that we've kind of fallen into a bit of a rut with Torchwood uh, as we've gone through this series so thank you so much guys it's been awesome reading through your reviews and listening to your reviews uh, I love it when you guys get in contact and, and tell us your thoughts it's awesome uh, next week we are going forward to modern Doctor Who, and it's the 11th Doctor two-parter, The Time of the Angels and Flesh and Stone. So get your Matt Smith vibe on, because we'll be asking you for your reviews and thoughts, as we always do for that. And I think we're going to do there for 233. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, guys, for sticking with us and listening to episode 233. It's been really, really awesome uh, going through a couple of bits of news and merch and then just rolling into our review of Torchwood Random Shoes. I know it's been a bit of a weird show, this one, me flying solo without Adam, um, but hopefully you were appeased somewhat by listening to his review of Torchwood uh, that we slotted in there. Uh, hopefully... Uh, as long as the stars align and everything's fine work-wise, we'll be back to two of us next week for episode 234. In the meantime, head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there. And you can also link off to all of the various podcast networks. There's uh, buttons on the website to go off and do that. Uh, or just do a search in whatever podcast app you, you use. Just do a search for the Big Blue Box podcast and you can drop a subscribe there so that you never miss a show when that goes out every Friday. And there are also buttons there to link off to the various social networks. So we're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Go and just do a search for the Big Blue Box podcast uh, and just give us a, a like uh, and a follow over there because we do chat Doctor Who during the week in between episodes, which is very cool. And also check out my co-host Adam's uh, YouTube channel, The Geek's Handbag. Adam's got a really cool YouTube channel, tons and tons of so many cool videos. Head over there, The Geek's Handbag, drop him a subscribe and, and check out some of his videos, some really cool stuff over there. And Adam is also on the social networks as well, under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. Go and search him out and give him a like and a follow. Uh, as I said, we, we chat plenty of Doctor Who during the week, so that's all good next week for 234 it's the Matt Smith story the time of the angels and flesh and stone so get your blu-rays or dvds out or netflix whatever you want to watch it because we'll be asking for your reviews as always for that until then my name's gary and remember 